0: This is episode 292 of the Real Me In Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase and Joel will take a look at 20th Century Fox's newest film, Ad Astra, as well as going over all the week and movie news and movie trailers, all that and more on today's Real Me in. What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of Real Me and Colon A Movie Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts Chase Lee and uh, this is a movie podcast where we just talk about everything in the world of movies and it's a fantastic time so if you're new to the show and you decided to take a chance on us please stay and hope you join in on the conversation and uh, we would love to have you. If you're a returning listener welcome back we always appreciate you guys. This is episode two hundred and ninety-two. Like I said up at the top, and uh, we will be focusing on Ad Astra, the um, kind of first serious contender of the uh, Fox Disney merger, and um, as well as going over some uh, really good trailers this week and some really interesting pieces of movie news. Uh, th- this is going to be a great show. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Um, before I throw it over to my co-host over there, if you guys could, uh, you know, like, favorite, comment. Rate this thing on iTunes. Do what you got to do to let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. We would really appreciate it. Speaking of co host and the person sitting in the corner over there, not my house, but he is sitting in the corner of his house. Uh, That would be uh, Joseph Coplenius. Also known as Joel uh, Copling, uh, what, what is going on, wow. my, my friend? Um, we are uh, talking about Ad Astra. It's the end of September. Just a lot going on in life. But how is your life going, sir?
1: Uh, it's it's been going interestingly. I mean, uh, this week our re, our our shrink wrap machine at work has been has been broken. So we've been trying to <laughs> figure that out because we've got people. Selling, like, huge piles of things all at one time, and we have nowhere to shrink wrap our items. It's putting the plastic around the uh, the movies. And anyway, so that's been fun. Um, other than that, you know, just watching a lot of stuff. I've been making my way through uh, Superstore still, um, also through the practice with my parents. The uh, We just watched the series finale of Suits on USA Network, which was very bittersweet because it's a really fun, great show. I uh, had a great run and had a really good series finale, so really, uh, really like that. And uh, also making my way through Madam Secretary. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but man, good show. Got Tia Leone, Keith Carradine, Zelko Ivanek, um, uh, Jeffrey Aaron's in it. Anyway, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Tim Daly plays Tia, uh, Tia Leone's husband. And uh, fantastic show. She plays a uh, former CIA agent who becomes the Secretary of State. And has to, you know, field kind of various diplomatic issues that that come up um, over the course of this particular presidency. It's in its fifth season right now. I'm really liking it. Um, a lot of people have been complaining that it becomes very p- political in this season because there's a whole big two-parter about family separation. There's, um, there's a bunch of stuff going on that's very much, pretty much directly, you know, inspired by what's going on right now. Um, but – yeah, I like it. I think that it does it in a really interesting way, and uh, in a way that kind of reminds me of the Newsroom. Although the Newsroom was different in that it actually took real news stories and reported on them for the most part. This one uh, crafts a fictional, a fictional, a fictionalized narrative from those events, and uh, so like the family separations weren't you know uh, overseen and ordered by the president of the United States so much as a guy who's the uh the governor of um Arizona who is very Trump like in a way and uh, anyway very political show but really really compelling great performances all around and and I've been moving through that so um otherwise let me think oh watching you know been watching movies been catching up with movies that could potentially play into my uh, list of the 10 worst and this week yeah my top 10 worst definitely blew up i have 3 major contenders that i caught up with Including my first zero-star review of the year, so you'll be able to read that on um, on Friday on a Saturday, I should say. And uh, excited about tomorrow night, we'll uh, we'll tell you about that in a second. But um, otherwise, goodness, um, I don't know about any big first-time viewings or anything of like older movies that I need to uh, catch up with. Been mainly watching new ones, so. Yep, that was that was my week. Very uh, busy, busy, busy. So yeah, there you go.
0: Same here, man. I uh, like throughout the week. I will go to screenings, uh, watch screeners at home, or uh, you know watch stuff to prepare movies for you guys. But I typically will watch. TV shows throughout the week with uh, the misses and we you know we watch our, our normal stuff uh, of course I'll keep praising it until it uh, gets canceled canceled or obl- like just completely just uh, wiped away from history uh, the righteous Jim Jones uh, please check that out from my uh, HBO but uh, caught up with a lot of um, Netflix shows a lot of uh, season premieres happened this week um, I'll get to the season premieres in just a bit but I finished uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. That is a good show from Netflix. Um, if you guys have ever seen The Dark Crystal, of course, it's from Jim Henson's company, so it uses a lot of puppetry and a really just great example of master class in production design, costuming, puppetry. It's just, it's kind of breathtaking. Um, and the voice work is good. The story is good. But man, I'm telling you, production design is... It is some of the best I've ever seen. It's because they have to create all those sets. Besides a couple of you know green screen shots where the characters are flying on uh, other flying characters. Other than that, everything else is is built and uh, there are many sets. So it's just it's it's kind of cool to see. Um, I saw Disenchantment Part Two. Um, that's a show from Matt Groney, uh, you know creator of The Simpsons, and so. Yeah, I, I, I like that show. If you guys are into the Simpsons type of humor, they take that type of humor and they apply it to medieval times, and I really enjoy it, so uh, blaze through that one as well. And then a couple of um, premieres happened this week because it's the fall season, as usual. Uh, this is the time of year where all the seasons of your favorite TV shows come back, and uh, some of my favorite ones came back. Uh, this Is Us season four uh, came out this week. Fantastic stuff, uh, as usual. I hate the movie life itself, but man, Dan Fogelman can sure steer the ship of a a good show, but sometimes his movies are a little off. Um, And then of course, two of the funniest premieres I've seen in quite some time. Uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia season 14 premiere. So, so good. Uh, I always cackle when I watch that show. Danny DeVito is just a a national treasure. Uh, And then, um, South Park season twenty three premiere happened this week. It was about uh, it, it was a mixture of the movie The Joker and immigration and detention and ICE. So they were really going for the jugular on that one, and uh, it made it made sense story wise. And I was like, this is this is clever. I like it. And uh, one of the funniest things that happened while I was watching the South Park premiere is when the credits started rolling. Uh, it said consultant Josh Gad. And so I thought to myself, oh, it's just some random dude that has the same name. And I, but I'm like, why does he get his own separate title card? And I'm like, no, this is the actor, Josh Gad. Why is he a consultant? It's so strange to me. But I watched that documentary of how South Park was made throughout the seven days or whatever. And Bill Hader was a part of like the writers group when they were doing that. So it's not it's not abnormal for Trey or Matt to, like, I guess... Roping people that we know for like writing or story purposes or whatever so i thought that was fascinating that josh gad was a consultant and he probably was for the whole season too um but yeah i think that was it um of course we're still watching american horror story it's just you know it's it's a busy fall season for tv shows it's kind of like with joel and uh, all the shows he watched was either by himself or his parents just it's just that time and here, I, folks.
1: And I actually forgot to mention two. One we gave a try, and that was *Prodigal Son*. Prodigal Son ah, the function. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which we gave up on halfway through the <laughs> pilot. It was. It's really just. It hurries through. It doesn't give you any time to get used to the characters before rushing you into a plot, and it's not an interesting plot. Right. Was not a fan. Uh, and so we just, we just were like, yeah, we can, we can do something else. And then also, same night, *Good Doctor* um, mm. premiered, which. We're big fans of and uh, really good, really good premiere. Yeah, I
0: I, uh, I think I it's a pretty their, good show. Yeah,
1: it is a really good show. I don't know if it's their strongest season premiere they've had, uh, but it was a but it was a fine, fine one to return on. Lots of surprises. Lots of really dramatic stuff happened in the last episode of the season. So um, of the previous one. So, yeah, it's the beginning of the well, third season and really strong. I uh, can't wait to see uh, where Speaking of T
0: V, uh, you know, I, I don't watch the Emmys but I caught up with like all the winners and stuff. Your boy Tony Shaloub won for Mrs. Maisel.
1: I know, I noticed That's that. Crazy. I love that. I think that he won a couple times for Monk and mm. I'm I was always really happy to hear hear about that. And uh I do need to watch that show. I, I really do because he's in it. I love that guy. Um very Cohen Brothers actor. <laughs> he's been in a couple of theirs and just has a very specific kind of energy that I think is just he's a he's a He's a hilarious comedian. He can do dramatic work as well as anybody, and yeah, one of my favorites. It, it was. And, uh, it
0: was a weird pairing too, because him and Alex Bornstein, I think they both won for that. Yes, show. Yeah, yeah, they
1: did. That was that was the uh, the big surprise of. I think it was one of the bigger considered one of the bigger surprises of the evening that it that it the show double won kind of acting awards and right. uh, yeah. So I didn't watch either. I was working, but I did. I did you know. I kept up with the winners. I'm definitely going to be watching Fleabag now because I've just it's been so hearing good. You're gonna yeah, gonna such love good it. things. You're going to love it, and so I'm really happy it won. I know that a lot of people were too. That, in fact, this was the thing that, like, I honestly said in my head: I, I, when this new season premiered and was just, you know, blowing everybody away, I was like, yeah. So this is probably going to win comedy series because it's just that kind of consensus, and it's so pervasive. That you can imagine that I was able to easily imagine that it was going to you know run throughout the voters for the Emmys too that they would just watch that and it would kind of come down between that and Barry but I figured yeah Fleabag just just based on the level of consensus it had I, I just I figured that it would be that it would be that one
0: uh, I, I wanted to imagine if uh, Deadpool was a woman that's exactly what the show is it's, it's <laughs> oh gosh it, yeah that's okay. how it is it's it, she breaks the fourth wall. It's very, like you said, pervasive and stuff. But it, she's so enjoyable to watch.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm about to get, be getting into TV this this season in a big way because, you know, obviously we have the Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Once that uh, crops up, and I've already pre ordered it, um, and I have a feeling that that's going to be a major player in limited series next year, and that pretty much Disney Plus is going to be dominating at least talk. For that category for the next several years because of because of their shows that they have, um, and then and, and
0: I, I just wanted to say this: if Joel and I ever blow up from doing this for you guys, you can bet your behinds that we will probably do like a TV sort of uh, division for the podcast. Yes, because he and I watch so much TV; it's just it's very plausible for us to do. But if yeah, we get and to that point, and especially happen.
1: And especially as this comes up, because I will be I will be devouring the shows on Disney Plus. You know, they all they the, even the ones that that they've just announced cater to me. I'm definitely going to be watching the Jeff Goldblum thing. I'm definitely going to be watching the Lizzie McGuire re- return. You know, and all of that, and anything else they decide to bring back. I'm sure that they'll be able to bring it back. And of course, I'll be watching because they um they released their list of all the things, or somebody did released a list of all the things that are going to be available, and all of the Disney Channel original movies yeah. since 1998, I think, except for the Jet Jackson movie, are going to be on uh, Disney+. And I think that that one's because of, um, uh, possibly out of respect for Lee Thompson Young, mm. because, he, of course, he sadly um, uh, committed suicide back in 2013. He was the guy who played Jet Jackson. That is the only show that I can find that's not on there and the only movie. So I have to think... And the jersey. I'm sorry. And the jersey as well, uh, because that main actor also passed away. So I have to wonder if there's an element there, just of actors who passed away. They're not going to do it yet. They're not going to put them on. But I'm going to be I'm going to be devouring everything on that on that freaking uh, streaming service. And you know, even if it's just like a thing where at the maybe at the end of a season run for one of these shows or a, a series run, I guess um we like go through and review it really quickly on an episode <laughs> at least you know if that's what we do at first then we'll we'll definitely be doing that because or i will if i don't know if chase is going to immediately get onto the mandalorian but if anything i will and so i'll oh, certainly no, 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 have no, no, no
0: I, I definitely am that was okay. one of the, the stipulations okay. i said when uh when we're discussing about getting plus it's like we're doing marvel Star Wars at least like those the those the yeah. two I'm going after so and once
1: that Obi-Wan show comes on I mean yeah it's so yeah I mean all that content I'm telling you they're going to be they're going to be getting into that limited series category a lot I think and the Mandalorian I think just because of the budget that it has the directors that it has the cast that it has the the big um you know it's Star Wars and this is kind of its first Really huge breakthrough into TV. I know that they've had a couple of animated shows, but this is this is really like you know this is a live action series. This is the first time this happened. It's a major event for the franchise, and I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about that uh, as a major contender. So you know we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I, and I, uh, I, and then I, also and then also on HBO Watchmen and yes, um, yes. his dark and his dark materials. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be following those. Same. And, you know, the boys when it comes back. So, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, hey, li-
0: hey, listen, it seems like fate is just pushing us to do a TV podcast. Of yes. Some sort. We just need to figure <laughs> out the logistics, but it sounds like that might be, uh, uh, in the cards. But just one last thing before I get into the trailers, because there's really there's only two trailers that dro- dropped this week. Uh, that. And I'll
1: be talking about one of those. And he will
0: be talking about one <laughs> of them. Um, but yes, uh, last thing, uh, the missus and I, we watched, uh, uh, the death of Dick long on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And it's still just as funny as when Joel and I saw it in a theater with other people. Like, I don't want to ruin any of the jokes. Right. But I just want to like kind of set up how these characters act because they act like not bumbling idiots, but just like kind of real people that just are trying to hide this situation and them fumbling through their errors is what's funny. So it's literally a,
1: a comedy is a comedy of errors. <laughs> it's so
0: good. Like there's a character named Earl, right? And uh Joel knows who I'm talking about. But as I'm rewatching like the the guy that plays him is so good at uh fumbling over his lines, but it works so well for his character that I I can't help but laugh. Like there's a there's a scene where someone asks him, "Where it, where was Dick last night?" And this is how he responds, and it's just the way he he uh he executes this Conversation, but he's just like, yeah, I don't know. He was like, like hanging out with us, and we may have not seen him, but it was just kind of like you know, like a little bit. But we don't know if we <laughs> yep. did really saw him. It's like it's <laughs> stuff like that that it, you you cackle as you watch it because you're like, this guy is so uncomfortable answering this because he knows what happened, but uh, he's he's playing it off awkward and casual. It's like it's such a great performance. Like, please watch the death of Dick Long. This is my, this is my last plea for it. Uh, because it finally comes out it's it's such a great dark comedy just please treat yourself if you're into that so um, I just want to let you know even after five months uh, it's still great and I still hold up with my grade I still um, all of my thoughts about it and, and I'm glad that she liked it because <laughs> we she was laughing at uh, Joel I because you, you you can probably guess since you you have met her like what you think uh, her, her uh, favorite parts were, but it was when um, any type of music would come up. So yeah, yeah. when uh when his phone went off with Down With The Sickness, <laughs> that was hilarious. And then uh, at the very end when they played uh, uh, the Creed song. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she was cracking up so bad. It was so great. Uh, but, yes, The Death of Dick Long, uh, I will stop talking about it for sure. Um, but, yes, please check it out. So – the two shows that dropped, and this is why we went on a little longer in the uh, the opening, because these shows, um, you know, there's only two of them, but uh, I wanted to discuss them. The first one uh, is technically a limited theatrical release, that's why I agreed to talk about it, and it is following up one of the most critically acclaimed shows of all time. So I'd be stupid enough not to talk about it. But it's El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Um, this one follows exactly right after the uh, last episode, follows Jesse Pinkman as he's driving away from the scene of the crime of uh, where Walter White was left and people caught him. He's uh, driving away and we kind of follow him as he's escaping the uh, you know police and whoever's coming after him. Now, my history with this show is interesting because I did the same thing with The Office. I did the same thing with That 70s Show. When I was in college, and even to Dexter to some degree, when I was in college, I binged watched a lot of shows. So I didn't really watch anything live per se, except for this one. Um, but for like The Office, that seventy show, like I said, Dexter, and a couple others, I noticed I discovered them on Netflix, and that's how I watched them. And so well, I take that back. I actually watched like The Office, like I think, last episode live only because I was in the hospital and there was nothing on, so I clicked on the TV. But uh, for the most part, I've watched everything just kind of like catching up to the public. Breaking Bad was one of my favorite viewing experiences I've ever had because the last season was about to come out, the last six episodes ever, and I wanted to catch up. I was like... I want to go ahead and watch this and join the the national conversation, the weekly conversation that people have um, at work, you know, the water cooler conversations, and so I I binge watched all seasons one through 5A, and I did it in like two weeks, and I did it really quickly, I did it like two or three episodes a night after work, I didn't have any social life, I just wanted to watch it and catch up, and it's still one of my favorites of all time and the way it ends it's a great ending for sure there is wiggle room for what could happen to jesse i don't necessarily need to see anything but the fact that vince gilligan the creator of the show is coming back to write and direct this you got aaron paul back i am a hundred percent on board with this little hesitant because it of the whole necessary factor. But I like the trailer quite a bit. I'm curious to see where they go with Jesse's character, where he uh, goes in terms of leaving the scene of the crime. We're going to further his character a little bit more. Is he going to meet new people, meet older old people like, like Saul, you know, um, or any of uh, his goons. Like the the possibilities are endless and it gets me excited just on the sheer fact that I love the show. Is it necessary? I'm not really sure, but we'll see. It drops on Netflix, and uh, I'm I'm super excited just about it, just because of the brand name and me loving the show. So it's actually, and,
1: and I love this trailer too. I I watched this trailer, as well. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that it, it is in theaters, but um, but yeah, I mean, of course, I was going to watch this. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and and you're right, it looks good. It's also got an interesting thing like this, and and it's a weird comparison but down abbey have something in common which is that they opened up a little bit the the production values to be more theatrically friendly i guess ah. now now that's not a that's not a slight toward either down abbey or breaking bad just saying like there's there's something a little bit more cinematic because there's a lot of really beautiful cinematography in this trailer right um, that you that you know, as fine as the cinematography often was in the show, you wouldn't really find in the show. It's a different it's a different look. There's a different kind of um And, and, uh, and people have to understand, you,
0: you have to do that when you adapt it from television to, to exactly. film like that. Yeah. So it's understandable. But you're right, though. When you watch the trailer, you're like, okay, I. it's like your eyeballs are seeing Aaron Paul, Jesse Pinkman, but it does look different. And you're like, this doesn't yeah. look like the show, but I'm and okay with it because they're adapting it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was a little more with with down with the down navy movie. It was you know they were previously dealing with TV ready right. cameras. They were dealing with a smaller budget uh, for uh, a, you know a single episode. So they weren't, and then and that's all they had to worry about. You know, in every single moment was the single episode. You know, they just and they didn't have as much time. So this, you know, it just it just looks different, and I like that. I like that. I think I'm I'm the same with you. You know, I'm I'm glad that you know. I'm it's it's like partly I'm glad that we're we're finding out what happened to Jesse because, uh, logistically speaking, it was it was you know they left him in a in kind of a um, uh, a, a purgatory almost. You don't right. you didn't know what was gonna happen because he was driving away. It was not a happy ending for him. Um, he was driving away and laughing and crying, but it was. Partly due to the fact that he had literally lost everything by that point, so it wasn't a happy ending for him. Well, and the, and, the,
0: the trailer kind of emulates that because, uh, as our friend Brian pointed out, it's a very depressing trailer. It is yes. like it's yeah, very it like melancholy the entire time. There's no like, there's no hope like yeah. at all, and that exactly. that's uh, but that that's that's really reflective of like the situation that he's in. Like he's he's running from a crime scene, and Walter White is dead behind him. Like did, I. I, I'm curious to see where they're going to take it because yeah. are they going to wrap up his character in this two-hour time frame, or are they going to leave it open for another sequel? Like, what is Vince Gilligan going to do? And I think yeah. that's where our, our curiosity is. Um, yeah, yeah sure. El, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, comes out in a few weeks. I I might uh, uh, watch it and review it for you guys as an extra episode. I have no clue, um, but <laughs> uh, super excited. And then finally. The trailer we've all been looking forward to. They teased it five days in advance from the trailer drop date. Thank you, Safety Brothers, for that tease, that nipple tease that you just did. Um, And then it
1: was a torturously long five days. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. It's just like, thanks for telling us. Like, you could have just waited. Uh, But yes, the trailer, finally, after all the Telluride and Tiff conversations, Uncut Gems. Starring the... Adam Sandler, directed by the Safdie brothers. Uh, is their kind of follow-up film, you know, from, uh, you know, good time. And then before that, heaven knows what. So this is kind of like their, uh, gritty New York grimy trilogy that they're, they're doing here. This one sets place in the, uh, the diamond district of New York city, Howard Ratner, a jewelry store owner and dealer to the rich and famous must find a way to pay his debts when his merchandise is taken from one of the top sellers and his girlfriend. Now, uh, just before I get into my thoughts on the trailer, this film stars, and I quote, and th- th- I'm not making any of this up, this is exactly the cast list, don't even look it up, just trust me, it is Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, yes, that Kevin Garnett, The Weeknd, Idina Menzel, or Adele DeZim, however you want to call her, uh, and um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, it, it's it's just stacked with the weirdest group of people. It's almost like as if Joel and I were in a movie, they also starred a rat, a sponge and Pauly Shore. Like that's how weird it is. <laughs> it's just, it's such a weird group. Like I, I can't believe the Safties did. Um, yeah. I
1: hope, I hope he continues this trend because I, I there's too. also, there's also Eric Bogosian who is a very like, he, like, he plays a lot of uh, really, really tough guy characters and, and uh, he narrated "Listen Up, Philip" for uh, Alex Ross Perry. Um, he he takes random roles across uh, across the uh, across the film spectrum, and it's and it's cool to see him show up here. And then also Lou Francesa, who is a uh, a talk radio show host, and does not play himself. He actually plays a character, which is a total like he's it's crazy. He's the one who uh, thinks that it's a that it's a stupid bet in the uh, okay. in the trailer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah yeah oh, and, and I, I forgot judd hirsch is in this oh yeah <laughs> like, judd Hirsch. that's another <laughs> crazy exactly, yeah
1: <laughs> exactly uh one of one of my favorites just because uh, you know i think we were both uh uh um um introduced to him in independence day uh he played right. jeff goldblum's dad in that and uh yeah that was the first that was the first time i saw him at least and anyway yeah great great cast but Go ahead.
0: Yeah, uh, I, what you're I I I just wanted to mention the the crazy cast and uh, like I said, uh, this is an open casting call, Safdie, uh Brothers. If you want to hire Joel and I for your next film because we're two unknowns, and you want to hire the trash can, the rat, the sponge, and Polly Shore, we're more than welcome <laughs> to do the project. Um, to get to the actual trailer, it's fantastic. Like it, it's exactly what I would expect. From the Safety brothers, given the fact that they did good time and they raised my blood pressure by like 100 points. Like, that's the type of filmmaking they do. It's this anxiety kind of like dread that they have throughout their uh, their filmography so far. You know, with Heaven Knows What, I was a little indifferent on just because I thought they used too much extreme close-up and it almost caused you to have a headache and, you know, with Good Time, they kind of reeled it back a little bit and a, a little bit more variation in shots, so it made a, a better watch. But they still both have the same type of style, and they're continuing the tread, uh, trend with this one, making it seem like these aren't even actors and they're real-life people, following them on the these streets of New York. Like, it's you can feel the sweat and the grime, and it's just... They know how to create atmosphere in this kind of like grounded setting, which makes the characters and the story and everything that you're watching more, um, more palpable. And that's what's great about it. And I said the same thing for good time, and I'll say it again. If you are one of these people, and I'm not making fun of you. I'm not calling you out. I'm just letting you know. This is just a PSA from Joel and myself. If you have never seen Adam Sandler in anything but his comedies, you gotta change that. When you're talking about Spanglish, "Rain Over Me," "Punch Drunk Love," now this—it's like the Meyerwitz stories. The Meyerwitz stories, uh, yeah. men, women, and children, which you know that's a little mixed, but that's more of drama. It's and
1: he's and he's good in that. As bad as that yeah, movie is to he's me, he's good.
0: He's good in that. Yeah, and that—that's my point. Is that when people judge people off of you know the franchises or these really bad movies, it doesn't do anyone. Uh, any good like you need to search out adam sandler's filmography so i know that our listeners are uh are smart people and if they have missed some of these movies they're going to go check it out right away because it's a great kind of appetizer for what you're going to probably get in good time so uh, if you're asking for my personal favorite one it's punch drunk love uh so far joel what would you say is your favorite non-comedy adam sandler movie so far
1: uh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's kind of a comedy, but definitely Punch Drunk Love. Um, it is, it's, yeah, that's one of, uh, well, one of Paul Thomas Anderson's best movies, first of all, which is saying something. Right. And, uh, it's sort of his Nora Ephron movie, if you will. And this is, it's a great, yeah, it's a great performance. I mean, I, I adore Spanglish. I think that Spanglish is fantastic. Um, it's from James L. Brooks who did stuff like Broadcast News. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that movie, but, but Punch Drunk Love is, is my favorite, uh, yeah, for so sure. It, my favorite performance. Yeah. Also Punch Drunk Love. Uh, it's, but he's it's,
0: been it's, really good. I would even put in, uh,
1: uh, the wedding singer.
0: Uh, I the think he was good too. So yeah, he's really good in that. I, so it's it, 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 the people that like, you know, look at Robert Pattinson and go, Oh, it's the Twilight guy. Hey. I've been there. We've all been there. But he's grown as an actor, and we see how good he is. It's the same thing with Adam Sandler, except he's a little bit more spotty. He goes back and forth, but um, when because one of the last horror movies I saw him in, uh, which was not Murder Mystery by the way, that was just an okay movie, but it was Pixels. I was embarrassed to watch that. I yeah. paid money to go see it, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, um, that was awful. Yeah, right. And so, terrible, terrible movie. So when he does stuff like this. You know that he's good. Sometimes he makes the wrong decision. So I just want to let everyone know out there this is not some weird anomaly. This is not some weird decision that the Safety brothers made and was just like, oh, let's reinvigorate this guy's career because he hasn't been, he's never done a good movie. It's like, no, he's always been good. He makes stupid choices sometimes. However, the trailer's fantastic. He does a great job in it. And I can't wait to see this, like, really electrifying performance that i've been hearing that he's doing um my favorite part about the trailer is the music mm-hmm. like the the safety brothers know how to create this interesting blend of modern and like 80s synth uh together and really kind of inject this pulse pounding anxiety into you like as soon as the trailer starts and it shows the a24 logo it, it's it's something new I've never heard them do before, but it just—it's like a hit. It's almost like a drug hit, and then like when the trailer is going and it kind of ramps up to the climax of the trailer, and then it hits that kind of injection again. I'm like, dude, this is like on a whole different level. Like it's so different from Good Time, but it's still kind of taking the same uh, type of flavor from it. I just—I loved, uh, like I said, the music about it. The energy of the trailer, just the, like I said, the the sweaty, grimy feel of New York City. Adina Mazzell looks really good as uh, his wife, by the way. I know a lot of people aren't really commenting on her, but she looks like she's going to be a great pair with him. And it looks like he's done some naughty stuff in his life, so she's going to have a lot of resentment. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is always great. I don't need to comment on him. Kevin Garnett looks great. Like, he looks like he's going to be just what he is, a good supporting role for this and he plays his, he plays himself um and that's about it or
1: or a version of himself or yeah a
0: version of it yeah it's not it's exactly gonna be, him, it's gonna but, be him
1: seen through the safety brother's eyes
0: right but, yeah. um but yeah he looks like he is committing which is great <laughs> I, I like when uh people especially like what i've heard from like the weekend and stuff he he was really excited to make his acting debut in this film and stuff so i'm glad that the safety's take risk on people that aren't normally actors and they're, they're able to convert them into good p- performances. So that is a huge testament of how they can uh, do their stuff. And by the way, just as a, a side note before I throw it over to Joel, Benny Safdie is a great actor uh, mm-hmm. because he was the uh, uh, kind of co-lead in good time um, alongside Robert Pattinson, not as much screen time, but I, I, I think they were both on the, the same level He was fantastic in that. I'm telling you right now, this is going to put them in even more of a spotlight. They're going to get more uh, jobs because of this, and I'm so glad they kind of worked their way up to that because heaven knows what just kind of went under the radar. No one really ever talked about it. People love good time. They love Robert Pattinson. They thought that maybe he could get the Oscar push. Now that we have Adam Sandler in front of the camera, he's got a bigger audience than Robert Pattinson, and this could be it if he, if Adam Sandler gets nominated uh this is going to open a lot of uh kind of gates for the Safties so great trailer i cannot freaking wait joseph take it away
1: yeah i mean and the Safties have been working for a while this is their seventh feature uh they've been they've been working since the late 2000s
0: right I but think that, heaven knows what was just kind of right, like, the heaven first, knows like what big, was the like big one yeah, yeah.
1: And that was the first time, really, that they've they've been doing sort of a similar thing that Sean Baker's been doing, uh, which is mixing unknowns with kind of established actors. And uh, in in Baker's case, it's the kind of the third thing that he throws in are adult film actors because he he likes to uh, to dip into that territory. In this one, uh, with with um, with the safties, they just like to throw in people who are not anticipated <laughs> at all uh and in this case it's people like Lou francesa and uh and the weekend also who's going to be playing a version of himself because as we notice in a glimpse in this trailer he is involved in the plot he's not just in a presence and he's not just gonna be i mean he's gonna be playing the weekend but he's not going to be just he's not going to be just playing the weekend in like a cameo scene you see that Adam Sandler's character howard uh, grabs him by the jacket very briefly in the trailer you see this and like throws him up against a wall so clearly you know this guy's a ticking time bomb he's going to be making a bunch of people angry around him the weekend gets caught up in that and he's going to be in some way part of the plot and that's really cool so yeah this thing is an electrifying trailer and in fact I think I've watched it Oh, it has to be more than three dozen times since since it yeah. I mean it's it's just it has this energy about it that is you just have to it's you're you're exactly right, it's like a drug. I will just occasionally click over and watch the trailer. And it's almost like I'm getting my fix. And
0: I am telling you, it's as soon as the first hit when the A twenty four logo hits, is that I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's it's a
1: it's a it's it's electronic kind of pulsating ambient um, you know, sort of electronic music and I just I love it and and it's I think it's the actual score
0: I think which is too, by
1: yeah. uh, Daniel Lopaton who is also known as um, uh Trix's Point Never and he did the score for good time as well. Oh, so
0: yes, that makes me excited.
1: Yeah, and the uh, the cinematography here, by the way, not what I expected, but the great Darius Kanji, who has who has worked a lot with Ridley Scott, uh, he shot the Lost City of Z. Um, he's shot a bunch of stuff. Um, let's see. I think that he shot like Blue Jasmine, Mid- Midnight in Paris. This is very different work from that, but love that. Cause he's one of the, he's one of the modern masters. Um, and yeah, just, and it's edited by, by Benny Safdie and Ronald Bronstein, who's uh, also co-screenwriter. So they, they, uh, they have edited all of these movies together and th- uh, this is no different. I mean, this this thing looks exciting. This trailer made it right there at the top of my my anticipated list. This is my most anticipated now. And yes, above Little Women. Um and I think that uh that it's it's going to be um, it's going to announce them as major major items. I mean, Heaven Knows What was a big break breakthrough, good time got them a lot of recognition. This one is going to push them into that into that arena of watch these guys, they're going to be kind of the next Cohen brothers if you think about it because they're brothers and and all of that. And I just I love that. I love that. And I can't wait to see um
0: now what's see everything happen, happen for them. What's gonna happen is our friend Brian season in a couple weeks. Now what we what Joel and I are gonna do, because he's gonna watch it and he's gonna text us immediately. We're gonna tell we're gonna let Brian have his word and then we're gonna temper him and be like, all right, calm down a little bit. Let us know like is the movie like actually like great because we're all we're all going to have like that hype coming out of yeah. it. but i i want brian to like give us like a like a truthful statement mm-hmm. about it because he's going to be he's going to see it way early than the rest of us so uh we will let you and guys i mean
1: know. <laughs> i guess not to air laundry out in the public or whatever but he's also seeing the irishman tomorrow uh in the first audience to see the movie in the whole world so that's going to be a similar situation. Uh, I know he's he's super hyped up about that. We're seeing, I guess, uh, it's time to mention it. We're seeing *Marriage Story* tomorrow night.
0: Oh, it's and I, I can't wait.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's and it's uh, and uh, that's going to be a similar situation uh, because there's there's a lot of hype surrounding that. So yeah, uh, like I've said in previous times, film festival reactions take them with a grain of salt, but. I'm going to, uh, with Marriage Story, I'm going to be watching that one again before oh, we, sure. before yeah. our episode, because I don't want to go on a two and a half month old reaction. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait for this, for this season, especially with movies like these coming out. And, uh, yeah, I'm well, that, so excited. That's
0: a great way to end the trailer section because that was it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> this was the highlight of the week for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All
1: right. So we do have some news, uh, items to talk about here so the first one just uh, broke today and this is mind-boggling so um y'all might know this guy by the name of kevin feige um he has been spearheading this tiny little franchise called the marvel cinematic universe i don't know if you've heard of it chase um Uh, i'm
0: more of a dc guy so you're gonna have to uh, explain that to me
1: (laughs) well he made 2005's fantastic wait no i'm sorry he made 2008's Iron Man. No. Uh, okay. Oh so no he... no.
0: Oh, he was the guy that made Iron Man two and nothing else. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly.
1: No, but uh, yeah, Kevin Feige, probably one of the richest people in the world by now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by that, considering his involvement in all of the, all of the Marvel movies. Has decided he's gonna, he's gonna uh, develop another movie for Disney. Um, of course, right now it's sort of his Disney slash Marvel, you know, uh, thing to to be developing these future series for Marvel and and all of that but he's decided he's going to you know walk on over to Lucasfilm and develop a Star Wars movie which is insane 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 uh, in all of the right ways. <laughs> I think that he has proven himself as a producer um, as, a, as a as an executive producer as a person who develops projects. I think that he has Proven himself, and I think that if he does with a Star Wars movie what he's been doing with Marvel, this is going to really turn out well. Now, I mean, we don't know what it's going to be about. This is this is an announcement that he's going to be developing a Star Wars movie. The rumor is that there's well, there's two rumors surrounding all of this. Uh, one I actually had just learned about, but I did look it up, and it does it it is apparently a rumor surrounding um, his role is that a. Apparently he could be taking over Lucasfilm from Kathleen Kennedy, which is insane because then he would be over Marvel and Lucasfilm. But uh, the other one is that there's a major actor apparently already in talks uh, or has been told about this. Uh, We don't know who that is yet, but, um, but yeah, so this is really exciting. Uh, There's also, you know, of course, uh Kennedy's apparently not gonna be parting ways with the company for a while. But because she's also got all of this stuff with um with Disney Plus coming, this whole series with Ryan Johnson and with um uh, I think it's been stalled, but with uh Benioff and Weiss. So it's gonna be a while. But if he does take it over and make a movie, that's gonna be very interesting. Very interesting roads ahead. Uh I like to to see this uh to to see this news. Um Okay, so second bit of news is about a movie I've not seen since childhood. Um, Clue from the 80s was the um, um, directed by Jonathan Lynn, had Tim Curry, Eileen Brennan, Michael McKean, Christopher Lloyd, Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn. Really funny. Uh, co-written by John Landis. And a uh, really popular movie has kind of more of a more as a cult item than anything, but it is being remade, um, and that the, and the director in talks is Jason Bateman. He just won an Emmy for Ozark, so this is a good week for him uh, to get this announcement and also an award. And he is developing a screenplay for this remake with Ryan Reynolds. It's probably going to modernize the story just a little bit. Um. And I think this was previously attached with uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, but it's it's shifted over to Reynolds, so another Deadpool person. Um, so this should be interesting to see what cast they get, because Jason Bateman works with a lot of really talented people uh, and has over the years. So it could be that he'll be you know milking some uh, some contacts, to say, hey, do you want to do this? So it'll be fun to see what kind of a uh, a cast they get, and it's going to be a starry cast, because of course for the time. The original movie had a really, really, you know, star-packed cast. So that's really cool. Uh, We'll see how that turns out. I don't think that Clue is such the, like, um, untouchable thing. Like, it's a much better or a much more tenable idea to remake this than to remake um, The Princess Bride, which it was a rumor. It's apparently not happening, but if that had been happening, I would have been much more angry about that. And I think that, in general, people would have been, too. Uh, The next bit is that Jurassic World 3 is, of course, happening with Colin Trevorrow as director. And he is bringing back three actors from the series um, in major roles to reprise their roles. Now, he already had – or I guess J.A. Biona had uh, Jeff Goldblum show up again in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Briefly, he had a one-scene cameo or two scenes or something like that in a court proceeding. Uh, So – which I thought was an okay scene. Uh, he seemed kind of shoehorned in there. But Goldblum is awesome. Malcolm Turner is awesome. So I'm really hoping that um, uh, if they bring him back, it's it's under better circumstances than whenever he came back to uh, the Independence Day franchise, for instance, in Resurgence. And, of course, Laura Dern and Sam Neill are back. Uh, this will be the first time Neil's in the uh, the franchise since Jurassic Park 3. And the first time since then for Dern as well, she hasn't been in it either. So, um, yeah, and and in that case, it was just a brief cameo. So, really excited to see these people come back, uh, particularly because they're tied to one of the best blockbusters of all time, in my opinion, Jurassic Park, um, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I have watched that movie several dozen times, <laughs> and I love it. And uh, Fallen Kingdom was a was a was a uh, was a letdown. In the face of what I thought was really good, um, Jurassic World, the first one, first comeback. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I'm getting a little bit more excited about this third one uh, for sure. All right, fourth bit of news. Uh, This is really interesting. Um, Jeffrey Wright and Jonah Hill have reportedly been added to the cast of The Batman. Of course, Robert Pattinson is going to be The Batman. Um, there was a lot of speculation surrounding the fact that Hill would be playing the penguin. It is not the case. It is apparent that he's going to be playing the Riddler, which is really interesting casting considering the last time anybody filled that role, it was Jim Carrey. So, um, clearly going for some, for some specific kind of energy there. Um, and then Jeffrey Wright is going to be commissioner Gordon, which is excellent casting. Uh, he's a great actor. And uh, yeah, that's about it for now. Uh, and then this last one is one of my favorite bits of news. This is a really cool project. So last year there was a movie called Overlord, um, and it was directed by Julius Avery, who uh, kind of came up with Son of a Gun with um, Ewan McGregor, and then you know made Hollywood uh, made his Hollywood debut with. With Overlord, which which I thought was okay. Pretty good. But he is directing a project with uh, Sylvester Stallone set to produce and star in the movie. or Or co-star, as it's primarily about a kid. But Stallone will be playing a superhero in this movie, which is called Samaritan. And I'm going to read this. Samaritan is a thriller about a young boy on a mission to discover whether a mythic superhero vanished 20 years earlier following a tragic event, is still alive. So basically, this is going to be examining what happens when a superhero fails to save the people he wants to. And this is going to be smaller, I I, I assume smaller, than the usual big, gigantic superhero movies. Probably going to be more along the lines of Fast Color from earlier this year. Uh, The one with Gugu Mbatha-Rao, where she plays kind of a superhero who can um, uh, control matter. And uh yeah, so it sounds really cool. Sounds like a smaller project for Stallone who when he's good is really good as an actor. And uh I'm looking forward to to seeing how this uh how this turns out. So that's the that's the bit of news. Uh that's all of it. So Chase, I will hand it over to you to react to all of these things.
0: <laughs> yes, so uh you guys know my stance on Kevin Feige. He's a great producer, uh regardless of what you think of the Marvel films. The fact that he was able to do any of what we have seen in the past uh, eleven years is simply uh, nothing but astounding. Like, uh, it, it's just it's just incredible. I mean, it's it's stuff that when Joel and I get older, and when you guys get older, um, if you guys are around the same age as us, we're gonna look back on this and go, "That was history in the making," and it's never gonna be replicated ever again. And that's something to always cherish. Him transitioning over to Lucasfilm to do something, forget about it. I mean, he's going He's going to crush it. No matter what he does, he knows how to uh, make films that, you know, crowds will love. And he, he knows how to um, make a film for a franchise. He has the pulse on franchises. Like, he knows how to do it. That's why he was able... take all those risks and stuff with marvel and it paid off so if he can take risk and um make star wars you know his own and do his own thing like it's just gonna crush and so that makes total sense with me he's under the same house it's very possible that um he went to kathleen kennedy or kathleen kennedy went to him he went to bob Iger. bob Iger came to him there's many different possibilities of how this uh, transpired but still really great news nonetheless um the second piece of news with uh Bateman and uh Reynolds um to be a part of the clue remake that's awesome like I was discussing this with with uh my fiance before we started recording I was like that's such a great combo like it, could it turn out terribly and just be a gross out comedy absolutely uh Reynolds and Bateman have been in their fair share of raunchy, dirty, and disgusting comedies that are extremely unfunny. But I'm willing to give this one a shot um, because they are on a stride right now. You know, Ryan uh, has been doing very good with, uh, obviously with, like, Deadpool. And, you know, some of his other movies don't do that well box office-wise, but they do well enough to where I think people still want to see him. And then uh, Jason Bateman, he's no stranger to the directing. Uh, I've seen um all the movies that he's directed great stuff uh i really love bad words that's probably my favorite one that he's directed uh he's he 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 knows how to do it and so i think taking the kind of modern approach with clue it makes sense to me like this is one of these uh movies i don't mind to be remade especially of today's time so yeah uh give it to me um hopefully it's um it's uh, funny because if it's not, then that would be really disappointing. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. The uh, Jurassic World three news. I'm a little mixed on, and it's only because I've seen Jurassic World. Whatever, I, it like it was fine. It wasn't. I'm not like one of these people that just like gets super frustrated and angry at this franchise. With Fallen Kingdom, I've only seen the first thirty minutes, and you're probably thinking, like, why'd you, why'd you do that? So, <laughs> this is one of those cases to where I kept falling asleep when I was watching it on the plane, and it's not because of the movie because I don't want to, I don't want to judge it that way. It's because I can rarely watch movies on planes. I'm pretty sure most people can't without falling asleep. Uh, you know, I watched Overlord. Uh, speaking of that movie uh, from start to finish on the plane, which, but it was really, it was really engaging and it got my attention. Fallen kingdom took a little while to get started. And so I zonked out <laughs> and it's okay, but I want to give it a fair shot um, to see, um, you know, what it, what it's like and everything. And you know, how can these original characters be incorporated? Because I'm just like with Joel and we, we have the nineties bias because we literally grew up in that time. But Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. I've seen that movie a thousand times, and I, I've, you know, I watched it a lot at home. I, I'm pretty much sure that the VHS tape was like destroyed at some point just because we played it so much. Um, I've seen it in 3D in theaters. Like I just, I love watching that thing. And so, bringing back the original people does get me more interested in a third one, but I'm also not jumping up and down just because. I have only seen one out of the two so far. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. Uh, Jeffrey Wright and Jonah Hill uh, in The Batman, that's awesome casting. Jeffrey Wright would make a perfect uh, Jim Gordon. I don't know. The the whole thing over at DC, um, just talking about their more uh, uh, grandiose plans, they got to get that thing figured out because – I've been hearing through the grapevine that J.K. Simmons is still under contract to do his Jim Gordon through that. And I realize they're two separate things, but it's like, guys, get get your stuff figured out on what you're going to do for the future. But, um, yeah, as far as Jeffrey Wright goes, good stuff. And then Jonah Hill as the Riddler, even if he was playing the Penguin, I'd still be up for it. So the fact that he was playing one or the other, I'm cool with. Um, And just seeing him going up against Robert Pattinson is great. And once again, going back to the whole Robert Pattinson Adam Sandler thing, people tend to forget Jonah Hill. Yes, that Jonah Hill from Superbad is a two-time Academy Award nominee. It's crazy to say out loud, but he is. He's just that good. Uh, and He always was, uh, but I'm just glad he's getting recognition. And going to a superhero film, that's a game-changer for him. So, uh, yeah, I think that's... Um, kind of inspired casting I, i'm really glad that producers went after him for that and then uh for the last piece of news i really don't know about the project itself uh, i can more comment on uh, uh, julius avery because i have seen overlord i saw it on a plane and even though i saw it on a tiny little screen that's the size of my iphone And the audio was terrible. I still love the movie. So I can't imagine what it would be like if I actually watched it with good picture and sound. (laughs) So, But yeah, I thought that was a really fun movie. And if he can just kind of inject that kind of fun energy into this, it sounds cool. Um, And you know, Sly is... Yeah, uh, he's not like an actor that I praise or whatever. But I think after watching Creed... In 2015, I was turned around to where I was like, you know what? I'd be okay if he wants to continue on doing more stuff like this and really uh, trying and showing a different side to him. And this seems like a different side to him uh, for sure, but uh, the Julius Avery uh, news uh, with that is uh, what I'm more intrigued about. So uh, who who knows? Um, You know, uh, Rambo Last Blood, did okay at the box office, so you know, we'll s And Creed 2 kind of hit a downfall from the first one, so I don't know um, how long Sly can keep this up because it doesn't seem like people are that interested anymore. So we'll see. But uh, an all around interesting cast or uh, a news uh, week, Joel,
1: for sure. Yeah, uh, a lot of really interesting bits. <clears throat> all right. You'll have to forgive me because I took a drink of my drink that I have next to me and then swallowed it down the wrong windpipe. So, well, my windpipe. Not the wrong windpipe. Why would it have more than one windpipe? Okay, so this is Joel, now- Joel is
0: actually a creature. Um, he is from the Black Lagoon. Don't tell anyone. Um, I but have six uh, windpipes. Oh no, no, Joel. The FBI is listening. Uh, so anyways, Joel is a person. <laughs> All right, so
1: um. Yeah, so we're going to move into our review now. So this is our review of Ad Astra. Now, this is the new movie from director uh, James Gray of films like The Lost City of Z, We Own the Night, The Immigrant. This is one of the best working filmmakers right now, and this is the first time he's tackling anything close to sci-fi. I don't know if this is exactly sci-fi, but it is a story set primarily in space and in the near future. It stars Brad Pitt, who plays Roy, a uh, an astronaut who is uh, at the beginning of the movie working on settling uh, setting up a gigantic antenna that shoots up from the ground into space. Uh, and like I said, this is the near future. This is what they're doing now. And uh, during that, a horrible explosion happens as a result of what is called the surge. It it starts. Um, sending, sending electrical waves across the solar system and causing electrical storms on earth that kills tens of thousands of people in a, in a matter of mere weeks. So in a, uh, in a classified top secret meeting, he is told that his father played by Tommy Lee Jones, who was presumed dead six, uh, several years ago and disappeared 16 years into a mission near Neptune, um, May well be alive. And so they send Roy uh, on a mission across the solar system to find his father and uh, to stop the threat, uh, whatever whatever might happen uh, that, that is involved in that. So very heady story. Um, obviously, there could have been a lot of treatment, uh, different kinds of treatments that could have uh, gone with this. It could have been straight space thriller I'm happy – I'm kind of happy to report that Grey is is um, uh, kind of doing his usual subverse, subverting of expectations here because it isn't just a space thriller. It's a very poetic examination of fathers and sons, of lonely men, um, which is uh, very much what Grey likes to, to examine. He did it for two and a half hours in – the lost City of Z, very lonely man, obsessed with finding the Lost City of Z, <laughs> and here it's a it's a person who doesn't really want to see his father, but must confront him, both because of the fact that he's kind of being ordered to, and because they have unfinished business. Uh, you know, he was never quite close to his father, having only really known him for sixteen years before. Uh, his father went off on his mission and, uh, and disappeared when he was in his late twenties. So it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating movie. Uh, it's a really, really interesting kind of, um, clothesline to walk on because it could go so wrong in so many ways, in so many ways, guys, this, This really is on kind of on the precipice of falling apart, but it's not. I think it's one of the better movies I've seen this year. Um, So getting into it straight on, I'm going to get into what I really like about this movie, and it's a lot. And then I'll mention a couple of things that haven't really sat well with me in the last week uh, since I saw it. I saw it last Friday, and – there, there, there are some things that I'm struggling with, and I'll get into those in a little bit. But first, I'm going to talk about all that I love, which is most of this movie. Um, first off, I think that the, the ambition here is clear, and I think it's really um, it's really commendable. So, you know, since – and I was kind of right in, in predicting this back in our uh, episode – about the most anticipated movies of the year. This was high up on there. And um, I think that I was right in in predicting that this is what it would be like. Basically, I didn't think that Grey was just going to be giving us a simple space-set thriller. I figured that if he was going to be tackling a, a notion and a premise like this, it would be through the sort of Sort of cold, sort of icy, ultimately very human perspective that Andrei Tarkovsky took in the movie Solaris, which is kind of the closest thing that I can think of in, in Tarkovsky's uh, filmography to something like this. Solaris was uh, also about a search, also about kind of um, – uh, in in part at least about the, the search for extraterrestrial life and very much is similarly poetic, not so – focused uh this one's maybe a little bit more focused on it but not so focused on spectacle as thoughtfulness as a rumination on mortality and um aging and all of that in the same way that Solaris was in a big big way um there were other things that Solaris was trying to to uh, accomplish well as well thematically but this is very similar in that regard and I think that Gray, this is, the, this is what Gray is good at. He gives us really ambitious kind of um, movies that I think by some people are called superficial in a certain way. I know that theres there's a uh, uh, complaint about We on the Night, for instance, that it's a good skeleton for uh, a law, kind of an epic about law enforcement officials and maybe he doesn't quite follow through on that. I disagree with that. I think that he's setting a milieu. And he's and he's um, very much kind of confronting. He, a lot of his characters are broad, but they're confronting very specific things about a culture and themes and all of that. It's very much he's he's all about the 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 bigger picture of a movie's ambition than than the specifics. But that really works in this movie's favor because I think that this is a strong piece of um thematically ambitious filmmaking and that's what i admired about it the most i was i was brought along on a journey that meant that that clearly meant so much to gray and his co co-screenwriter ethan gross um it's an it's a, an original screenplay which is which is always fabulous something like this so create such a creative um concept is is an original screenplay and yeah, I, I loved it. And to get into, to, uh, one of the major reasons why it's Brad Pitt, which I think that this is, is one of, one of his best recent performances. Um, he was really good. fantastic actually in once upon a time in Hollywood, but this is a very different kind of performance. There's, there's a lot else going on, um, here, um, in a character who, like I said, is very conflicted about his message, um, this message that he has to send uh, when he goes to Mars, um, to the colony there, and where he meets up with a, uh, actually a native Martian, <laughs> we learn, uh, named Helen, played by Ruth Negga, And he has to send a message uh, through, I think it's like laser technology, that they can, they can aim at Neptune so that it reaches his father. And um, that... Series of sequences is really powerful because he ends up cl- uh, slowly getting more personal in what is supposed to be a scripted message, and it ends up kind of causing a conflict, and it leads into the action, the act, the uh, the action of the th- the climax, which I won't get into that at all, uh, won't ruin anything for you guys, but um, I will just say it leads directly into that in a very moving way, and. Pitt's performance I think is kind of a marvel of stoicism without trying to seem like he's at all bored uh, he definitely is deeply in, enamored with this material you can read it on his face but it's very he's a very stoic person he's the, part, part of the character is the fact that he's extremely stoic he doesn't um, his heart rate doesn't reach above 80 uh, which is significant because <laughs> of the situations that he gets in and uh, I think that it ultimately raises but but yeah, for the most part, he, his heart rate doesn't go above 80 beats per minute, which is um, a major plot point. It's the reason why he's sent on this mission, this mission. and I think the pit plays with that. He's, there's these scenes where he must um, dictate his own psychological evaluation to a, an automated computer that will just automatically record it and send it off. Um, which is really interesting. There's there's a lot of little details in here that are fascinating, and that's one of them, that there's this automated uh, therapist, if you will. And um, I, I think that those are my favorite scenes of Pitt's performance uh, where he's really just – he's pouring out all he can. He has to re- remain at least a little bit professional and all of that, and he's just he's just a man. He's a man on a mission, and it's a mission that he doesn't particularly like. He's very um, he's very naughty about it. He's very uh, naughty as in K-N-O-T-T-Y, very nervous. And I just think that it's, it's just an excellent performance, and he's supported by really good actors. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones does show up. I won't tell you under what circumstances, but it's a powerful and absolutely phenomenal appearance. Uh, one of his best performances, I think, in just a short amount of time. He's maybe on screen for 10 minutes of that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, Ruth Nega shows up here. She's really good in her brief time. There's really not many actors who show up for a long period of time. It's mostly Pitt's show, but Liv Tyler has some, has some memorable moments in the background as his estranged wife, Eve, um, mostly through fa- flashback and not with a lot of dialogue. Uh, we'll get into Donald Sutherland in a second. He shows up here as, as a, uh, an old comrade of Tommy Lee Jones, um, and has a really good performance in his appearance. We'll get into his appearance in a second, but, um, but like I said, it's pits, it's Pitt's show. He's the, he's the main, uh, kind of act here and it's phenomenal performance and getting into some of the, the other aspects. I mean, the production design is absolutely beautiful, sparse, very spare, um, but i love the different the different uh the various bits of production design here from the insides of different space space shuttles and uh my one of my favorite bits of production design of this whole year is the Martian colony which is just superb lots of um well the use of the color uh like sort of an orangey brown or browny orange i don't know <laughs> uh a brownish orange um <clears throat> as the as the uh the lighting uh the composition here, it's beautiful cinematography um but the production design is gorgeous, very spare, very sparse, like I said, and uh yeah, I love that. The visual effects are uh just astonishing. There's a couple of action scenes. I'll get into those in a second, but um the visual effects to bring everything to life are seamless, absolutely seamless. There's nothing you can like you'd think that people are floating in these in these pods. Uh, it doesn't look like they're being helped, helped along by uh, wires at all. There doesn't seem to be any sort of interference with anything surrounding the actors um, and everything else that's that's uh, it's with them. It's just seamless, seamless visual effects all the way through. And um, yeah, just the main the main draw for me here, though, is is its wounded thematic core, and it's such a such a personal small, intimate story that happens to be set in space and kind of traverses the entirety of the solar system but remains close to these human characters, especially in the close-ups of Pitt's face. And yeah, I just I love it. So uh, there's many things I could talk about. Why I love this movie, uh, sort of, I won't get into the ending in specifics, but I will say that, uh, and Chase and I talked about this, there is very much a question about whether or not some of the stuff that we see in the finale is real, and I love that, um, whether or not it's actually happening or whether or not it's been a you know, psychological breakdown. This movie really gets into the psychological toll it takes on Roy, um, especially by the end of his journey, and there's a big question mark there just some features of the scene that are, that are curious and, uh, and yeah, I love that. The, the some sort of the, the open question of that is, is fantastic. Um, so, yeah. So there are a couple of things here that irked me and that keep me from giving it an a, uh, although it definitely seems like my, I mean, and they are, my uh, thoughts on this movie are very high. There are, there are some things that I feel like are sort of extravagances. And then one character and I think I've already given it away, who I think is completely extraneous to the entire plot. But um, and that and I guess I'll start with that one. I think that there's other than to have him as just kind of this great old actor who is, you know, sadly probably going to leave us pretty soon to have him in this movie. And he's a, you know, he's a sturdy presence. Having Donald Sutherland in here is a smart idea but they don't they barely even give him a character to play. He comes in, he takes part in the action sequence. I'm about to talk one of the action sequences I'm about to talk about and then he exits the proceedings and there's just kind of a hollowness in his wake. I don't know if he really had a point in this narrative. Um and so that that kind of that kind of annoyed me especially afterward when I was thinking about it. I felt like This is just an extraneous bit in this movie that it could not it could have excised. I feel like it could have reworked, maybe made the character a little more important um, because he's in there for maybe 15 minutes. And afterward, there's really no reason why he should have been in the movie. And I know that seems like a nitpick, but it's I, I guess it's a bigger problem in the context of watching the movie. So then the other things. All right. Now, this is kind of me on the fence about these two scenes. So on their own, there are a pair of action sequences here that really work very well. And one involves a chase between Pitt and his security team and a group of space pirates who are scavenging the surface of the moon. And at this point, um, Pitt's character has arrived on the moon for the for the, visu- for the visibility of it. They want to keep his mission top secret, but in order to do that, they can't just fly straight to Neptune or Mars or whatever. Um, or I guess technically the end of the, the mission is Mars. And they can't just do that. They have to uh, wrap it underneath something else, and they send him to the moon for the visibility of it. And on the moon, they get uh, ambushed by a bunch of space pirates, and there's a lot of duds, <laughs> basically. And there's a lot of action and i it's a great sequence on its own it's got absolutely flawless, flawless visual effects if they want to do a visual effects reel of this movie it would probably be this scene and uh, if they want to pick a specific like part of the movie to talk about uh, to to highlight in the in the oscars you know the oscar cast this is the part of the movie that they would talk about because it's it's perfect it gets the, the surface of the moon right it seems like it's actually taking place there um It it is also great in terms of sound design because uh, one of the other things I love about this movie is how the sound design makes cares uh, kind of takes uh, I'm sorry takes very careful attention or pays very careful attention to the fact that of course sound doesn't travel in space. However, if you are wearing a suit from within that suit, you will hear things because that's how that's how space works and that's how sound works. You will still hear thuds and all of that, and they take advantage of that. Um, when it's outside the suits, no no sound whatsoever. But when it's inside the helmet, you will hear stuff. And they take great pains to, to, to pay attention to that. And it, works out, and it works perfectly. And this scene is kind of the conglomeration of all of those. So great scene on its own. And there's another scene, and I'm going to get to that now. So there's a detour during... Pitts, uh, Well, I could keep on pit during Roy's mission to save the trapped, potentially trapped um, uh, crew of an abandoned or of a um, uh, of a crashed or like a, an abandoned vessel of some sort. They get there. They find that uh, really like nobody survived except a baboon that they were experimenting on. This isn't really much of a spoiler I don't think because it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the plot. It's a detour. Um except for the fact that it does present another speed bump because that baboon is extremely aggressive and kills one of the members of his envoy. So again, it's a sequence that works really well because of the visual effects, especially to bring the baboon to life are just cartoonish are just unreal enough that it won't be super frightening. <laughs> But it is still pretty realistic, and it seems like a genuine threat. Lots of teeth, very big baboon, um, completely just uh, you know brutal and very physical, very large, and it works really well as a tense scene that just explodes suddenly in the middle of this movie. But again, I don't know if it fits in the into this very retrospect uh, retrospective, very introspective drama. About a, father, about a son looking for his father. I feel like um, it's an interesting idea, and it's, and it's very cool that they have this. I feel like it just belonged in another movie almost. Maybe they had some other idea of where to go with that um, sort of building the threat of space kind of um, vibe that they were going for. I don't think that they leaned into that quite enough in terms of the physical external threats um not the psychological ones but the external threats that face Roy I think that it that it doesn't quite know what to do with those so these are things that I think are structural and screenwriting issues um they're relatively small though and I'm giving it an A- and it's really high and it's and it's currently just hanging on in my top 10 so I don't want to give people <laughs> the idea that this movie is at all a disappointment or anything like that it's um I would say it's maybe not one of gray's strongest films it's right there with the immigrant another movie i would give an a minus uh for various little nitpicks there here and there um not not great gray but it is really really good james gray and more evidence of the fact that he's one of the finest finest filmmakers we have working today this is really heady um worthy stuff if you can if you can get on this movie's wavelength from the beginning because it's very patient except for those action sequences, then I think that you're gonna you're gonna really be very very um, fulfilled by this experience. And uh, if it sounds like it's it's a good one for you, definitely go see this one. It's it's fantastic. So, A minus for me. Chase hated this movie. I'm gonna have him explain why. Chase, oh, take it away.
0: Oh, why would you set it up like that? So. uh uh, I saw the movie a long time ago, and I've had a lot of time to process my thoughts. Now, when I first did my initial review, I sat on it for like three days before I recorded that thing because I knew that it was a special movie to review, and I wanted to make sure I got everything correct. And before I get into my actual thoughts about it, uh, maybe you can get that uh, from all these uh, comments about I'm about to read. These are actual comments on my uh, my YouTube review. And just to give you a thought on what most people uh, thought about this. Um, now, this isn't everyone. I would even say that this is probably where the split comes from audience members and critics because this is what I'm seeing. Um, just came from a screening. I felt like we saw two totally different movies. Great visuals, yes, but boring. And I'm left with what the... Di- what did i just watch uh i came out of the cinema we looked at each other and we both said what on earth have we just watched no story poor acting totally depressing direction but the visuals were okay ad astra was too slow um no i left that theater bored and disappointed unbelievably slow very predictable the constant narrating fell out of place the visuals looked great but that's about it. Let me tell you, people were walking out and the people behind me were saying this movie was slow and it was a waste of time and I kept wanting to leave but I was with a friend who bought my ticket so I was obligated to stay. I'm sorry, but this review was either uh, disingenuous to support the studio or he's crazy because this movie was awful. It was so boring there was no plot development and the characters behaved very unrealistically um let's see what else uh oh trust me there's more uh don't believe this this film was pure garbage on every level it assumes you were all vacuum-headed dipsticks who will believe anything this movie is garbage <laughs> endless monotonous narration subpar acting no scientific realism it is a is it a pretty film sure I'll give you that and last one whoa awful movie no matter what. You Agenda is garbage, 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 terrible. Go see, and you'll see that the pit agenda is there. Give me a break, stupid. This guy is dumb, dumb. So those were all the comments <laughs> well, left in my review. Um, well, Chase,
1: let us hear what You Agenda is.
0: Right. So <laughs> my, my, uh, my You Agenda, I guess, and apparently I'm working for the studio now, even though I totally ripped – um several Disney movies and several Fox movies this year but I guess that that doesn't matter um okay so reading all those comments I realized that what I was saying was the uh uh my reaction to the film and I was like oh wow a lot of people are going to think this way it seems like a lot of people were expecting it to be one thing. And I guess they were disappointed that it was something else. To be slightly fair. And by slightly I mean by a, a, a tiny little hair fair to these people. When I saw the Goldfinch. The trailer for Ad Astra played in front of it. It does not represent the movie. And to be frank with you. It also shows a lot more Liv Tyler scenes. That were cut out of the movie. It was a very strange marketing push for that uh, that movie. So slight credit where credit is due. I can understand why people would be furious at watching this and going that's not what this was marketed as. But I'm here to tell you and I firmly believe this. I will, um, I will stand behind this statement. Those comments that I read to you, they're wrong. I understand where they're coming from, but they simply rock. Um, I will also go on a limb and say that this will be regarded as a classic, not only in the space genre, I think it will hold up in this decade as one of the best. It is one of the best films of the year so far. Now, Joel and Brian are the only ones that have seen my top 10 of the year so far before we get into uh other movies we have um haven't seen yet so Joel knows where it's at and that's the last time he's going to see my list and you'll be very surprised to see where he, he is at with that Astra and where I am at with that Astra um given the fact that you know he has been more vocal about James Gray than I have that being said I understand the hype train that Joel has been on thus far the 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 grade I'm gonna give it I still stand by. I know, you know, I, I don't give the grade out lightly, but um I will stand by it. This is this is an impeccable movie. And I think what James Gray does, and just to kind of echo all of Joel's thoughts, because I, I think pretty much uh uh exactly what he is saying about it, he takes this kind of like bold and ambitious space adventure and he takes us on this journey from point a to point z and what a thrilling ride that james gray takes us on but at the core of the movie is about Pitt, his father uh and the relationship that he has with him it's about uh the human experience and how we should take care of our our problems here at home before we start exploring elsewhere and uh, thinking that we have to go live on a different colony or a different planet. Why don't we take care of our problems here? So it's got that going for it. It's a very intimate story. It's a very human story, and it really just kind of touches the soul of not only Brad Pitt's character, but also us, us as an audience member. So he's playing with these kind of like extreme contrasts with filmmaking and showing this like grand old adventure that's just really kind of out there and it is it is massive the fact that he he takes his character and goes through all these kind of pit stops in this journey is is breathtaking but it is a very human story and it gets right to the heart of the matter of what what the relationship is like with his father and then also what it what it just means to be human and what it means to care about people connect with people that aren't your family members but maybe be like a loved one or like a like a friend it's just it's all about that human connection and what gray is kind of displaying here is that there is a loss of connection in humanity that you know he is seeing nowadays and this movie takes place in the not so distant future so you know he's kind of propping this up as like this is how it, 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 it could turn out and he's just saying listen we need to uh talk to people more we need to connect to people and not not be so distant and you know and even in brad pitt's case with his father leaving him all those years you know um not having that kind of affect you and you know finding closure doing what you need to do uh so you can kind of move on with your life so i'm mean, like i said you know, Joel touched upon it, but there's just so many things that he's just kind of playing with in terms of uh, thematics going on here, and I I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, speaking on the filmmaking, James Gray is incredible. Like, the fact that he's able to make this kind of visually gorgeous movie, really uh, outstanding sound design and music, really kind of tender performances – from Brad Pitt and kind of the surrounding cast around him and just and was able to make a movie like this is kind of surprising because it, it is a movie that you wouldn't really see in a normal theater nowadays, a, a big blockbuster on this scale, but it's so radically different than what you think it is. It's just he takes so many risks. I think it pays off very well, and um, it, it's a movie by when it was done, I was affected – with on my emotional core and I was like I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I saw a technically great movie and that that you know that is without question, but it also really affected me on on that level and uh, that's all James Gray's doing. so I, I really appreciate him uh, for doing that. Speaking on the technical front, I said this in my my tweet when I walked out of it. I firmly believe it. I don't give a crap that a space film just won for the year prior. Uh, for the same award, I think this is a lock for visual effects. I will even go out on a limb and say that this will win it, and this is going to be the only win it's going to get. But uh, I, I'm cool with making that bet now. And when it doesn't happen, Joel's going to laugh in my face, but that's okay. Uh, it's- I, I actually
1: did my first predictions. I don't have this being nominated for now, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see how the buzz around it, uh, surrounds it. I mean visual effects branch certainly works very differently. Right. So it could it could very well be nominated. I'm I'm a little colder on the winning chances, but but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think that the Lion King has got this in the bag, unfortunately.
0: But well uh, the Lion you know. King can uh, go, go <laughs> no, somewhere I, else. I agree. The sun don't I agree. Shine. I think yeah, exactly
1: these these are these are visual effects used better, but right. visual effects branch doesn't always do that. They go with what's the most detailed. So that's true, you know. Yeah. Well but but But, I
0: mean that that's what I love about kind of Ad Astra is that with stuff like the Lion King and stuff, we we you know expect it to be like this, you know, computer generated thing, but the thing with Ad Astra, and Joel touched upon it, was it's a great mixture of not only visual effects but practical effects, practical sets and like production design. It's just a wonderful blend to really immerse you into this not so distant future of um of space travel and every time when he is outside of a spaceship floating uh it it is so realistic like i felt like i was in space most of the time uh watching him go throughout this and like even the opening scene when he's on top of the uh space station and like you can see earth below him it's just it is gorgeous stuff and it's it's just it kind of took my breath away it's it's outstanding visual effects work for sure cinematography complements that beautiful compositions uh beautiful color usage uh whether it be on earth the moon mars uh or even uh where his father's at it's just wherever the the movie is taking place in its next setting it is uh accompanied by the uh, correct cinematography and just lighting to make you make you feel make you feel like uh there's atmosphere to it it's just it's really good stuff to look at. And we saw it in IMAX. So they, uh, they spoiled us with the IMAX screening. I uh, just want to be upfront with you guys. And it does not affect my viewing of it with the grade and everything. Uh, but I appreciate it because it makes you see all the little details um, and just really kind of appreciate the artistry uh, of it as well. Uh, I'm going to get to some of the, the points that Joel pointed out that didn't really um, work for him. Um, but I will uh, start out with uh, uh, Brad Pitt uh, first I, this is definitely, listen I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for what it was and he was great in the, that movie but this is a completely different animal and uh, if you were to ask me to pick one, I would prefer this one, it, it is a a type of performance that is, it's commanding but it's also touching like this is a guy that like Joel stated, he doesn't get above a certain uh, heartbeat and you know uh, and so that's that is very telling of his character because he's very dedicated to his job he's very focused he doesn't uh, uh, diverge from any like emotional um, attachments like he is he is in it and he does not break away and so I I think that his um, his character his performance is almost like an egg like on the on the surface and from a distance he looks like he has this hard shell around him he's not going to ever break and he's just going to complete this mission uh get his dad and come home but throughout the movie there's several cracks and it, he, he's got those light cracks going on where like he's going to shatter at any moment because he's bottling up all this emotional turmoil that he has uh from his dad leaving you know stuff he's got going on on earth with Liv Tyler's character and There's a lot going on, but he he bottles it up, and that's not healthy. And, you know, he uses work as a distraction for all that. But now that this is like an emotionally tying mission (laughs) more than usual, he's starting to break in pieces along the way. So every time when he goes, like, to a different location, whether it be the moon or Mars or wherever, he's slowly starting to chip away. And then when he finally gets to see let's just say a person at the end, um, He had there's a specific shot where there's a tear rolling down his face. And at that moment, I knew that his emotional journey, his arc was completed. And it was just, it was so wonderful to see because he was completely different from the beginning of the film where he was pushing people away. He was very distant. And then he finally found... That he shouldn't be that way, and it, it took doing this this mission to do that, and so it's a very different performance for for sure uh, than anything I've ever seen him do, and he completely delivers it. So uh, great job on that. Uh, everyone else is is good, and it's the type of it's the type of supporting cast to me that is just they they're all around the like kind of equal screen time where it's just like he goes from one person and he, to and he goes to the other and he goes to the other and he goes to the other. And that's what they're there to do. They're there to kind of support him and his journey to go, to go see his father or at least to go try to find his father. And so they all give equal enough screen time where it didn't really bother me, you know, like with Joel and the Donald Sutherland situation. I just took it as there's people in his life. Uh, or on this journey specifically that he encounters, and then he moves on. And I didn't really have that much stake in you know everyone that he meets. Where I'm like, well, they need to have you know um, this purpose. Where I, I was, I was cool with it. Like, but I can understand where Joel is coming from. Uh, but yeah, it didn't really bother me on that front. I also agree with that. Tommy Lee Jones, probably some of the best work he's done in a long time, just because. He's Tommy Lee Jones, and he doesn't seem like he cares anymore. But I'm glad that you know um, people like James Gray can pull something good out of him. The couple things that Joel has an issue with, believe it or not, I actually had a slight kind of... I was a little turned off by the narration that people in my comment section are blowing me up on. At the very beginning of the movie... I wasn't really too sure what I thought about it. Now, I didn't flat out say while I was sitting there thinking, like, this is terrible narration. Because narration can be used in in movies to a great effect. And But at first, I was like, we'll see how the movie kind of plays out. And as it kind of kept playing out, I started to get more and more used to it, to where I actually liked it towards the very end. And I kind of pictured um, Brad Pitt's character uh uh kind of retelling this story as like an old man and so I I, I really uh kind of uh oh Joel's back <laughs> and Joel's back uh
1: okay I'm I am back
0: <laughs> so uh Sorry, joel Joel died for a second because I said Astra was the worst thing in history and so <laughs> he died he came back everything's fine uh but no I was uh I was talking about the um the, the narration the, yeah the the narration and at first uh, I I was a little Turned off, not going to lie. But as I uh, I got used to it, I pictured his character, like, super old, talking to his grandkids. And, like, I just imagined it, like, his, his future self telling the story. So, I I liked it. Yes, uh, is some of the narration and some of the themes of humanity and stuff a little bit too on the nose when he's talking about it? Sure, I'll give you that. But, once again, it didn't bother me to a point where I'm going to knock down my grade. So the two things that Joel is talking about, I'm actually not going to rag on him about just because I get where he's coming from because they do feel like two completely different scenes out of the movie. Um, But I just, I took it as, once again, this is a guy going from point A to point B to point C to point D, all the way to Z. And he's just having all these pit stops throughout his journey. Some of them are reflective of society and how humans are and I get that it's a little too on the nose but I guess it's just a personal preference because it didn't bother me I was cool with it and I just I took it as this was just a part of the journey another piece in the puzzle so um the, the honestly the, the things that Joel are bringing up like they I I get it um but it's just for me I found it to be a very uh, cathartic experience. I wanted to uh, call my dad afterwards. I even said in my review it was like a religious experience. I felt like a completely different person at the end, which is like the power of filmmaking and the power of art. I walked out of that theater, and I told my fiance, I finally get the James Gray hype, and I finally get why Joel is so... uh, like, finds this man uh, very admirable. So, I'm going to go ahead and whip it out, guys. A-plus for me. Uh, I don't remember the last time I did that. It might have been either Logan or Moonlight. Uh, so, it's been a very long time since I've done it. But I, I I firmly believe it. I think it will go down as one of the best space films uh, in history. And also, before uh, I wrap it up here... The people that are uh, complaining that it's just too much like Interstellar, just stop, because it's not <laughs> like it. Just it's <laughs> two, two different movies. Like they're so, completely different. Yeah, movies. I don't they're care if they're shot by the, the same guy. Like I, I realize they have the same cinematographer, but chill. Right. It's, it's it's just stop it, please. Um, uh, that that irritated me. I saw that. I Was like, who wrote this article? Uh, it's like they, they've only seen three movies in their life. So, <laughs> um, yes, uh, I love Ad Astra quite a bit. And uh, I told Joel this a couple days ago, but I'm scared for like when we see stuff like Uncut Gems, Marriage Story, The Irishman, and all these movies because it's going to make it even tougher for this list because if those movies yeah. were as mo- remotely good as we think they are and what people are claiming to be, then Ad Astra might be like bumped down a lot for me which is going to be saying something. So uh yeah, if this I will say I will say this. If Ad Astra is a is a great start to the last remaining months of the decade, then oh my god, please give me all the movies cuz I'm excited. So uh Ad Astra A+ and um so Joel, let me ask you this. Cuz we were talking about how this was really critical for Fox's kind of success, and if Bob Iger is going to be uh, uh, an evil person and pull the plug on this, but is because I realize it's an expensive movie. Is 19 million too low for a debut for this? Because that's how much it opened with. Do you think that is is salvageable, or do you think that's kind of like a a number that tells Iger that this is one step closer for him to be be, uh, looking at the numbers going, we can shut this down?
1: Here's what I think is in Iger's mind. I think that actually Ford v Ferrari is less expensive. I think that that one's like seventy, sixty-five or seventy million. So I think that he's more worried about that movie because if he can't get, or if you know, he can't usher through a release of a movie that's sixty-five or seventy million dollars to at least make its baseline budget back, then yeah. You- Then yeah, he's going to pull back on uh, on these kinds of releases from now on. But I think that um, this one, yeah, it's a hundred million dollars. Twenty million to open is not a great opening. It's gonna it's gonna struggle, especially. I mean, it might make some this weekend just because there really isn't much coming out. There's Abominable and Judy, and I don't think that uh, the same kind of audience is going to be seeing one of those. <laughs> so it maybe that it, it can make a little bit more money this week. Um, but I think that when once next week hits, maybe it dies off a little bit. And for right now, you know, it did an it did okay um as an opening, but yeah, it may not be what Iger wants um as sort of the person now tasked with uh with overseeing a lot of these releases and so, I really hope that four v Ferrari does well uh, because I think that that's actually a little bit more important um being well, and, the less ex- and, the less expensive movie.
0: and the saving grace is gonna be if one or both of them can be nominated for something
1: right. yeah, I mean that'll that'll definitely show that they're that they're still capable of that, but i I fear that Iger's all about the bottom line, yeah, and uh, so I don't know the Oscar chances for something like Ad Astra. Yeah, I've got it right now in my in my um, pra, my predictions only being nominated for sound editing. I think um, we'll see how that goes. But um, Ford V Ferrari, meanwhile, I've got down for I think it's like maybe nine nominations, so maybe that that's the bigger play, and that's the one that he's going to be watching more so for. Um, something like Ad Astra was always going to be determined by first week word of mouth, I think. So it may have been that Iger foresaw that kind of knew that that was probably going to happen. Maybe was aware of the f- kind of filmmaker James Gray was maybe was aware that this wasn't going to be an easy sell, um, even though they were trying to make it one with the trailer, which is completely misrepresentative of the movie but Ford v Ferrari is an old-fashioned drama with with big actors and an easy concept. So I think that they're they're going to be watching that one more so. And right. if that one succeeds, they might they might let uh I think it's actually technically Woman in the Windows, the last one next year from Searchlight, but maybe they'll keep them going, you know, after that point. And um yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to to watch this uh to watch this unfold. And I, I also want to tell people with my hangups with Ad Astra, I'm telling you, I feel like maybe rewatches will settle them. Um, I was only able to see this once, so I haven't seen it again, but, uh, but yeah, so obviously viewings are never in stone. You can, I mean, well, never, sometimes they are, but a lot of times they, they can be, they can be, they can shift and, uh, this might be one of those cases because it's a it's a very it's a very heady film. There's a lot going on in it, and it opens it, itself up to multiple viewings. So, yeah, I mean, I could I could turn around. It could be that I'm giving it an A minus, and it's somewhere like way up on my list at the end of the year. That happens, and um, yeah. So,
0: and uh, in any just case, a little fun fact, Joel, before we uh, we close this out, in the two hour plus runtime of that film. I asked Joel specifically, uh, "What was your favorite shot in the movie?" We both had the s- same shot. Yes. Like I, I was, I was very, like I was very uh, wary of asking. I was like, "Man, he's gonna probably pick something else." I was like, "I was like, wow, we had the same one." So
1: yeah, and yeah, it's a crazy shot. Won't give any sort of context because it's a huge spoiler, but yeah, it's a it's a fantastic shot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, comes near the end of the movie. We'll just say that. Very near the end of the movie, I think it's actually one of the last shots in the movie. Kind of. Um, all right, folks. Well, we were both huge fans of the movie. A plus from Chase. He's big on it. A minus for me. I'm definitely a fan. Definitely go see this one. Don't listen to the people who are who have a specific idea of what this movie's like.
0: Well, apparently, uh, I have an agenda. I work for the studio. Uh, and it's boring <laughs> and pretentious. So, I mean, hey, listen. If you think that that's totally cool, I can tell you right now, I don't work for 20th Century Fox. I have <laughs> ripped their films plenty of shreds. Trust yes, me.
1: Exactly. Um, so, Chase agenda and me agenda is not to uh, <laughs> not to just praise this movie because we're cool uh, or whatever. <laughs> it's it's wait, a fantastic- wait wait
0: Joel, did your Disney paycheck clear?
1: Yep, ten okay, cents.
0: Okay, so it uh, is clear. Mine didn't clear yet, so it's a bad movie. But once it clears, I'm gonna say it's good.
1: There we go. All right, loyalty, man. Uh, corporate, corporate capitalism. All right, so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's our review of Ad Astra. Now, next week. We are going to have the least controversial episode of all time.
0: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) It's not going to cause any comments.
0: Oh, after reading all the stories this week. Oh, It's going to
1: be extremely low-key. No, like in the thousands of views – Nothing's going to happen. We're talking about Joker. Uh,
0: Wait, I thought you this, said it was going to be Hangover 4. You said it was a new oh, Todd Phillips movie. Four. You said it was a new Todd Phillips movie, Joel. Why are you lying to me?
1: We are going to be uh, reviewing Starsky and Hutch 2. Oh,
0: God. That's even worse.
1: Older school. I don't know. Uh, okay. Older so. school.
0: <laughs>
1: Third road trip. Uh, cause I know that there was a second one, Oh my uh, God. For, for that, um, <laughs> no Joker from the director of road trip. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to this, um, one I'm looking forward to getting past this week, uh, just because <laughs> of the discourse being so oppressively awful, um, I mean it's gonna continue after that too, but I'll be we'll at least be looking at a movie that people have seen, which is not the case right now. A lot of people haven't seen this, including a lot of people commenting on it. So anyway, people are great. Um and yeah, Joker next week. Yeah, you know, as a movie though, I'm I'm much more excited than I was. I you know, I was always kind of cautious cautiously optimistic about this. The the buzz surrounding its quality as a movie. Certainly has me excited. I'm 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 looking forward to seeing Phoenix in this concept in in this context. You know, it's not one that I'm going to say is one of my most anticipated of the rest of the year. I'm still there's still a bit of cautious optimism in me, but I am definitely curious. And um, first of two movies in the Scorsese of the Scorsese variety in which Robert De Niro appears. The other one being directed by him <laughs> uh, that we'll see. Uh, this year, this fall. So it's an interesting uh, little back to back there. That in that in the Irishman. Um, all right. So that. Uh, so this week has been a little bit different. I think I talked.
0: <laughs> you definitely talked, Hello? and uh, it, you 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 talked, and then went out, and then okay. uh, and, and then it it did the back. whole Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm still on. Uh, live show guys, sort of semi. We're, re- we're recording this. Okay, um, so this week's a bit different. I'm going to have reviews, but none of the theatrical releases I reviewed uh, at Astro last week. So you'll be able to search through my uh, yearly listing for that one. But um, in terms of reviews this week, I caught up with some stuff, and that's what I reviewed. So I got a trio of ten best contenders, including Ash's Purest White, The Souvenir, and Transit – And then I've got a trio of uh, 10 worst contenders, uh, the third of which I caught up with today, including After, The Last Man, and Unplanned. And one of those is my um, first zero-star review of the year. So you'll find out which one of those that is whenever you uh, tune in on Saturday morning. If you want to follow my daily uh, viewing progress, you can follow me uh, on Letterboxd. You can just search my name or type in the box uh, letterboxd.com slash Jay Copling. Follow my ramblings and embarrassing uh, em- embarrassing personality on Twitter at Copling. that's R-E-E-L-J-O-E-L-C-O-P-L-I-N-G. And um, that's about it. So I guess I haven't even told Chase this, but you can also keep an eye out this weekend because while I am not covering the North Texas film festival like chase is i am covering one movie with him and that is tomorrow night with uh, marriage story so we will have a joint review chase i'm telling you that now on air even though i didn't tell you that before uh (laughs) we'll we'll be uh we'll both be reviewing that for dallas movie screenings so i should have a review up uh or we should have a review up sometime this weekend and um and then yeah, that's it. Uh, so, where are you on the the internet?
0: The internet uh, at Twitter. You can follow me at Real Chase Lee, and then uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Real Me and Podcast. And as far as this podcast goes, whether you're listening to on Castbox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, wherever, Spreaker, wherever you get it, uh, you know. Like, favorite, comment, rate, do what you got to do, uh, help boost this show up and uh, spread it around. Let people know what is up. And speaking of the film festival, uh, yes, we will be reviewing that one together. But um, I got five movies, uh, or five, um, five. I'm doing. Uh, you know, one of them is a collection of short films, so it's not technically a film. But um, I got Marriage Story, The Lodge. Uh, this little family film called Back of the Net, and then Dolomite is my name, and then of course uh, the best of the Dallas International Film Festival short film. So those are the five I'm doing, um, and so what I plan on doing, since this episode is dropping tonight on Thursday night, it gives you guys a head start on it, because I'm probably going to do this, the film festival episode probably on Monday or Sunday, I'm not really sure, But uh, at the earliest, it will be Sunday, where it won't be a long episode, but it will just be me talking about all the movies that I saw and everything. So, uh, um, yeah, so just look out for that. As far as other, like, mini reviews, uh, I don't think I have any. I don't have any planned. Um, Abominable was the only one I had uh, locked and ready to go. Uh, Of course, that's on the feed right now, so you can check that out. And I think that's it. So a lot of content coming out for you guys. So watch out. But yeah, this has been very episode...
1: exciting. Yeah.
0: Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling. Um, uh, I, I actually have a feeling that tomorrow is going to be really damaging for uh, for top 10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not looking forward to that. But uh, on the flip side, uh, super stoked to see it. So, um, yeah, so that will be. The North Texas Film Festival is the first ever that they're doing, so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, so this has been episode 292 where we talked about Ad Astra. Let me know all your thoughts about Ad Astra and call me a dipstick uh, in the comments down below. Um, and, of course, uh, that dipstick over there, my favorite dipstick, uh, <laughs> that would be Joseph Copelinius, Uh and then uh, – um, my, myself a dipstick uh, we are just a couple dipsticks but yes uh, next week will be Joker super excited 293 um, almost to 300 guys getting there so that will do it for this week's episode of Real Me and Cold in the Movie Podcast I am Chase Lee that is Joel over there and we will see you guys next week uh, for another episode of this glorious movie podcast have a good day good night whenever you listen to this bye-bye
1: bye